Welcome to this episode of the Security Clearance Careers Podcast, ClearCast, your source for security clearance, intelligence community, espionage, national security, and defense contracting updates in our exclusive interviews with intelligence community and government leaders. Hello, hello, and thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Security Clearance Careers Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Keller, and today I am joined by Mike Runyon, who is a security professional and also the chair of the ASIS International National Capital Chapter. And they are a global community of more than 38,000 security practitioners, each of whom has a role in the protection of assets. So that could be people, property, or information. So at Paragon Systems, he recently assumed the role of Director of Risk Management Solutions, which has combined existing uniform security services and technology with a wide range of cleared risk advisory, intelligence, and security management offerings for their clients. So today we're going to drill down on security careers and specifically risk management. So talking, first of all, thank you so much for joining me, but let's talk about security careers in general. I know that that can be an easy way for folks to get their foot in the door in national security. So let's talk about maybe some that you've done and others that are kind of in this realm. Yeah. Hi, Kitty. Thanks for having me. Appreciate the opportunity. And uh, Securitas is a fairly large company, while uh, Paragon Systems is a subsidiary of, of Critical Infrastructure Services, or SCIS, as we like to say. It's a little bit easier on the tongue. But this is the risk management sector of uh, the SCIS group, specifically catering to the federal market as well as the defense industrial base. There's a ton of security career opportunities, both in the physical security and also on the risk management side. I recently assumed the role specifically focused on risk management services for our customer base. In general, the career market is, is exploding, as you well know, and especially in industrial security. So, I think with some of the, the history that I've had with the company in between working on the commercial side of the house and now ultimately in the defense industrial base and federal market with Paragon Risk Management, we're really looking for a holistic approach and solution offering that we can bring to our customer base. Sure. Thinking about, like I said in, in my intro, you know, security can, whether that's physical or protecting information or assets, it can be a great way to get your foot in the door into national security in that federal market that you're speaking to. But for someone who's not really in security, tell me in a nutshell, like what the heck is risk management? <laughs> so it's pretty much everything proactive and reactive service-wise in order to support and keep people out of, out of the news or the bad side of DCSA compliance. There's so many requirements and regulatory expectations obviously in the industrial base, but also just in general. Um, unfortunately, we see it in the news every day. Bad things happen, whether that's a, a support for an immediate reactive action, like a workplace violence assistant, executive protection, or just protective services of any nature and security, or whether that's investigative and preventative to support building programs and compliance and putting things in place in order to, to you know, obtain and retain cleared programs in business with the U.S. government, but also to align those policies to effectively have an appropriate security plan and program in place. And whether that's information systems security officers, uh, assistant facility security officers, or other industrial administrative positions, 
to the investigative piece and open source investigations, technical surveillance countermeasures or TCSM, risk management, you know, could be any type of uh, uh, risk assessing and support of identifying needs and expectations of the program and to help take a decent look internally and fix or build on the program that you have. Well, and what do they say? The, the best the best offense is a good defense. So that preventative piece, I'm sure, is super important in staying out of the news. So thinking about like the nuts and bolts of your program and why they're so important. So I think I read that, you know, you have risk advisory, security management, the industrial security piece, obviously the protection piece, and then the response piece, and then having that intelligence to kind of bring it all together. So could you walk through the nuts and bolts of those? So I think obviously there's a lot of different roles in that. Um, But the first part is really recognizing that you can improve or you have additional standards that you have to meet. As far as nuts and bolts, one of the other things on the protective side of our offering is our our global security services group, or GSS as it's known, which, which traditionally was security escorts and protective services abroad for um, satellite launches. It's morphed into a, a much bigger role in supporting ACONUS support missions, which has been a great opportunity for career pathing, especially when you look at security officers, uniform services, transitioning into larger roles or more responsibility. Obviously, a big piece of that is the clearance, as you know, is, is it is going to be the pathway to progression up the ranks when you're starting from line level employee and moving on towards leadership and then to supervisory or management level positions. I started with the company 20 years ago, just about, and have, as I said, bounced around in a couple different divisions. I started with the risk management business overseas transitioned back from our Pinkerton consulting and investigative side of the house, which is the commercial affiliate, and uh, transitioned from the guarding side. So it, it's, it's one example. Uh, I never actually did work on the uniform side of the house, but I did stand a lot of tough posts. I think for anybody that's looking to, to get into the, the security or the risk management business, you've got some, some readily available resources to start that process. And with so much so of the world going to the, the logical security concerns as well as the physical, the pathways between you know, cyber and physical security for career progression are, uh, are better than they ever have been. Sure, absolutely. There are so many, so many opportunities out there within this space. So, I mean, thinking about you know, both the digital and physical sort of assets or resources that we're trying to protect, I mean, could you talk a little bit about the importance of protecting both of those types? Um, I, I know that in terms of a career, it's easy, like, you know, there's physical security and then there's, you know, cybersecurity or information security. But I, I, could you talk a little bit sort of largely about the importance of protecting both? Sure, sure. And and you recently had uh, Charlie Phelan and uh, Tom Langer on to talk about CMMC oh, yeah. and the DCSA requirements, with the, which was a great chat. And I think it's, it's, it's just those two worlds have been more or less parallel, but not necessarily as intertwined. And there's been a lot of advocacy for that to have the uh, the logical and, and the physical security aligned. But uh, just from a from a consumer as a as a customer 
perspective or a service provider perspective, it's it's undeniable that those two worlds need to collaborate together and really just aligning policies and procedures that not only meet the uh, the government requirements but also protect whatever secret sauce and recipes that company has. It starts with a risk assessment, an honest look of of where um, that program is and where the gaps are. And then it moves on to implementing new SOPs or post orders or equipment, whether that's electronic equipment and, and policies across both both realms to ensure that, that that protection is there, whether it's an active shooter threat or whether it's an insider threat. And, and they have to be tested and ensured that they're actually being deployed and enforced. Sure. And well, and I know that, you know, one of the agencies I've talked a lot about with about having those SOPs in place is the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. And I know that they have a ton of resources, but for the listeners that might or security professionals that might be listening that feel like their organization may have some blind spots, could you talk a little bit more about conducting those vulnerability assessments or maybe some security resources that you know of that could be helpful in the event that they do have those blind spots? And, and you brought up a good one with CISA, certainly. And and I'm always impressed with NCMS, frankly. They, they put on good events. They have informative discussions. The community is great and active. So, you know, you get a lot of questions answered um, at those. And it provides a lot of access to DCSA and those those folks to get a little bit better uh, line on, on what's happening and what they need to do. Obviously, we talked about ASIS and ASIS, as far as the GSX, I just came back from Atlanta. Um, it, it was a really good show. It was well participated. It's a lot to take in and it is more focused on the commercial market than in the industrial world. But as far as technology goes and systems, it is obviously a showcase for uh, for anybody to get information or more information about products that are available to help support additional security needs. Um, there's obviously ISC West or ISC East, those technology shows. And then for, you know, CDSC, obviously you, you can you can look there for, for lots of different resources on, on training and understanding um, some of the risk management piece and security requirements. And then obviously for, for overseas, usually OSAC, or the State Department's uh, Overseas Security Council, is uh, is a, a wealth of information and, and knowledge as well. So you mentioned GSX and kind of that, that it's more geared towards commercial. I mean, do you think that like the federal security policy and practice could learn from the commercial market and vice versa? Oh, absolutely. You know, they may have separate ultimate missions and certainly a difference in, in uh, what's required from a regulatory perspective. But, you know, without a doubt, there are, you know, and rightly, there are things that, that, that need to be avoided on the commercial side and the, and the industrial side, but very similar worlds. Uh, obviously, the uh, the clearance uh, is a differentiator on the uh, the industrial side, and that progression and some of the positions that spring out of that, uh, as I mentioned before, whether it's proprietary or service provided with regards to different roles in security. Yeah, I know that sometimes that collaboration between like the different you know private and government sectors is is helpful in other arenas sort of in our, our industry at large, but kind of thinking about since you have supported both the commercial and, you know, federal sides and worked in a variety of roles in training operations, and now you're director of risk management, how can security professionals 
are those outside security? You know, I talked a little bit about, you know, working in security, personal security, doing background investigations, like that sort of thing is, is a really good way to get your foot in the door. But how can people pivot to a career in risk management? And what sort of advice would you have there? Well, it seems like now more than ever is a pretty good time to pivot in careers in general. And certainly the pandemic and the economics of things have increased the uh, wages, particularly in, in our industry. But I think, you know, networking, you know, going to these events, the local chapter for NCMS here is obviously very active, finding out what they want to do and what those roles actually support. In years past, we've had a a little bit more robust kind of mentoring program within the ASIS chapter, but it it doesn't have to be a formalized program so much as, uh, you know, poking around and seeing who's who in the zoo or what other information they can learn from these associations and being a member in those, or like I said, attending some of the events or the conferences uh, that, that other organizations put on. Obviously, there's, there's tons of job ads out there. Um, NCMS has a job posting board. You know, obviously, clearance jobs has it. But if you're coming in without any of those prerequisites, you might have to, to start at a, little, a lower level and work your way up. But that progression is happening at a much quicker pace. Yeah, especially for this career field, I would say everybody's looking for candidates. Right. Everybody's looking for candidates. And um, there's there's a lot of people, frankly, in our business, you know, that are, are transitioning between the operational field level employees to cyber or to, you know, administrative positions that are are are, are better for them, obviously, in that progression and advancing their careers. And certainly as you upgrade your clearance, um, that never hurts as well. Well, and that's why the the issues that we're running into, workforce issues, they kind of like baffle me because clearance processing times are pretty good compared to what they used to be. And I I still Mm. hear chatter everywhere, like, I don't have a clearance, but I want to work in this field. Like, so I'm not sure where the disconnect is because companies and the government, frankly, they need candidates People seem hungry to get the clearance, and it seems like everything's kind of in a positive direction, but still you hear about these workforce issues, so I'm not sure how to even solve them. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, we're seeing a lot of folks that, that aren't necessarily always really serious about taking positions, or they have three or four opportunities that are, are, are dangling in front of them. So it's there, there's some motivational piece to that. I guess there used to be a, a rumor or a practice by companies not to actually process clearances until they had a, a specific mm. need for them. So maybe that's the case for some. Yeah. Um, but obviously, we can't have the unrealistic expectations that we can just flip a switch and provide cleared people without a, a timeline. It's tough. It's the nature of the work, I think. It's just kind of always going to run into yeah. issues like that. Thanks for, you know, kind of schooling me on risk management and, you know, everything that, that you've done in your career and kind of what you're doing today. So I, I wanted to give a space for any closing thoughts, like any personal stories that you might have from working in this field, or, you know, you talked about the news, how any recent news story should remind us of sort of the critical information that we're protecting. Well, yeah, I can't, I can't help but, but thinking about the news stories and, um, you know, the nature of of uh, the population being a little bit erratic over the last couple of years and, and certainly seemingly getting worse. So, you know, I think that that's going to 
exist and and continue and and get worse uh unfortunately and especially coming into the next uh election cycle we'll see what happens but uh i think the space and and risk management is is something that you know can be done i think with regards to risk management there will always be these one-off assailants and insider threat scenarios it's inevitable there's going to be more uh digital and cyber concerns more remote workers or the existing amount of remote workers that we have today. And co- companies will waffle between their policy on who's going to be back in, in the office. But this is just going to create more exposure for anybody operating in this space. So obviously you can't get a lot of work done on a cleared program if you're not at work but uh, or in a cleared space. But I think with the, the bulk of folks still allowed to remote work, you're going to see more risk in that process inherently. Right. That's why it's such an important field. The way that the world has continued to move over the last decade or two, we're going to continue to see these risks, certainly. Well, Mike, thank you so much for joining me for the podcast today. For more information on security practices or helpful resources that you might be looking for to better your security programs, you can visit news.clarencejobs.com.